Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Over the years, Talk Travel Asia has regularly explored the topic of responsible travel and how to have a positive impact while exploring. After all, we need to preserve the places we visit in order to be able to enjoy them in the future and treat local communities with respect along the way. We've looked at the work of Andaman Discoveries, discussed over tourism, learned about the Living Arawadi Project, chatted with the good people at Friends International, and many more. We're going to chat today with Mary Story, who started a really interesting project in Sri Lanka and learn all about their pink tuk-tuk program. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates, and with me is... Hey, Scott. Trevor here in, in Cambodia. I wish I was in Thailand. I was in Thailand just one year ago today. We were last together hanging out, having beers together in person. Um, but since then, we've gotten the, the, the show back on the air and we've had some great episodes this past year. And I'm excited to revisit one of the topics that I'm most passionate about, which is responsible tourism. And, uh, although it's not like, uh, directly involved in tourism, this is something that is an important thing that visitors to destinations can do while there is no tourism to support a lot of uh, important communities. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that you looked at your calendar and realized that it was a year ago right now that you were here because we knew it was close and we got together. And that's right. A year ago, we were kind of gearing up to start season three of the podcast, which I don't think started till May, but it's been a lot of fun doing this. And I, I agree with you. You know, one of the the, the biggest things about tourism we can help promote is how to travel sustainably, how to have less of a footprint, and, and, and just how to inspire people to think a little differently about their trips before they head off whenever we do get to travel again. So we've had a bit of a series of sustainability, and I'm really looking forward to chatting with Mary. Yeah, you know, after she had listened to episode 117, which was uh, traveling by tuk-tuk with Julian Carnell, Mary reached out to us to tell us about her tuk-tuk project, Think Pink Tuk-Tuks in Sri Lanka. And I was like, hey, you know what? Like, why don't we have her on the show? Because uh, what she's doing is really cool. It's a great tuk-tuk tie-in. And Sri Lanka is, uh, you know, a really cool place that you visited and that I've always wanted to that uh, perhaps is underrepresented on Talk Travel Asia. Absolutely. And hey, before we get into more of the good stuff, you're listening. You're enjoying this. You're here. You found the podcast. So help Trevor and I keep it going because we do this with our own pocket money and the funds generously supported by our friends that go to patreon.com, search for Talk Travel Asia. You can sponsor from as little as a dollar a month upwards. And you know, it helps us keep all this travel talk going. You can also like and leave a review. So wherever you're listening, one of the best things you can also do after financial love is just leave a little review, a good rating. And so now that we got the plug behind us, uh, what else do you think before we bring Mary in here? Well, you know, I mean, this is a tough one because, uh, you know, 
I hope that people go to our show notes on TalkTravelAsia.com and learn more about the Rosie May Foundation. And to be honest, I would rather they donate to the Rosie May Foundation than to donate to us. But if they're going to do so, then they should go and rate us on SoundCloud or iTunes and, and give us a nice little review. Um, otherwise, I think, uh, you know, I think we have an interesting guest today and, and I'm glad that she reached out to us. And let's go ahead and invite her on the show. Our guest is Mary Story, co-founder of the Rosie May Foundation. After the tragic murder of her 10-year-old daughter, Rosie, in 2003, Mary, her husband, and two sons decided to create a legacy for their daughter and visited Sri Lanka in 2004 to plant a tree in her honor. But then the tsunami hit, changing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives in the process. The foundation then opened a home in Sri Lanka for girls who lost parents in the tsunami, and their work has grown by leaps and bounds since then. Lucky for us, Mary reached out after hearing our Traveling by Tuk Tuk episode, and we asked her to come on the show to talk about Think Pink Tuk Tuks in Sri Lanka, which is training the first woman taxi drivers who specialize in driving for other women, children, and tourists in Sri Lanka. Today, Mary joins us online from jolly old Nottingham in the UK. Hi there, Mary. <laughs> Hi, Darren. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to um, connect with you. Yeah, welcome to the show. We're really happy to have you on and thank you for reaching out. And, uh, you know, Scott has been to Sri Lanka, but I have never been. And I think what you're doing there seems like a wonderful opportunity, not just for tourists, but for the communities that you're helping serve. Oh, thanks, Trevor. So could maybe you can give us a little, I mean, Scott introduced it a little bit, but maybe you could give us a little bit of... Uh, overview about how you started creating this foundation and why you wanted to help the people uh, in Sri Lanka and, and the other people who you subsequently helped. So um, our f very first project was a children's home for girls who had been orphaned as a result of the um, tsunami, which we were involved in, as, as, as Scott um, mentioned earlier. So that was our very first project. And from then, we um, developed um, a further project called Project Hope. And that was based on our experience of working with children in residential care, where we actually realized that most of the children, in fact, over 80% of the children in care in our children's home had parents. So they weren't orphans in the true sense of the word. They all had at least one living family member, most of whom were mums, single mums. So then we kind of questioned, well, you know, why are they there? Why are they, you know, being cared for by us if obviously, you know, they've got a single mum? And we um, realised that actually um, the main reason was that these women it wasn't that they didn't want their children, it was because they didn't have the means to be able to provide for their children. So we set up a program to work at grassroots level called Project Hope, which tries to reach women in crisis, single parents in crisis before they get to that um, situation where they have to make that heartbreaking decision to put their child into an orphanage because they um, don't have the means, the financial means to be able to keep them themselves. And by the way, this is not a phenomenon that is um, particular to the Rosie May home or indeed to Sri Lanka. It's a global phenomenon that over 80% of children in orphanages in, in the world globally um, have at least one living relative. So we um, 
We set up Project Hope and um, set up economic empowerment programs for those women to be able to earn an income. So we initially started with the kind of typical um, occupations that women would do in Sri Lanka. So things like broom making, sewing, cooking, incense stick making, those kind of things. But realized that actually, although they provided them with an income, it wasn't a robust income. And they needed to have probably two or three different kind of um, trades going on to be able to, you know, kind of make enough money. Alongside um, at this same time, the the UNFPA in Sri Lanka did um, a, a, a study on sexual harassment on women um, on public transport. And um, they revealed that over 90% of women between 18 and um, 45 had been had experienced um, sexual harassment at any one time on, on public transport. So our concept of Think Pink um, was born based on the premise that um, it would firstly provide a robust income for single mums to lift them out of poverty and also to protect women and girls travelling to school and to work. Well, that's a great intro, Mary. But just before we get deeper into the project, why Sri Lanka? You're from the UK. I mean, how did you end up starting a project in Sri Lanka? Why there? Why Sri Lanka? Because in 2004, we decided to um, go to, um, we wanted to get away from Christmas here in the UK and the horrific recollections of the year before. So we stood on uh, the shore of an island just off Sri Lanka on Boxing Day 2004 and the Asian tsunami hit. So although we were safe and um, we, our little palm tree that we planted um, the day before in Membe of Rosie Bay um, remained untouched, um, which was the inspiration for, um, for starting the charity. We decided that um, maybe that was somewhere that we could help because obviously um, a lot of children had been orphaned as a result of the tsunami. So that's how we got to Sri Lanka. Right. What, what sparked an interest in Sri Lanka, though? Like you could have gone anywhere in the world. Why there? Because we had been to, we'd been there before. Um, and it was just somewhere that we wanted to go where Christmas wasn't celebrated um, in the mm. in the commercial Christian sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, an amazing story in, in every possible way. And, and just to, for you to have taken one tragedy and, and moved on to another one and mm. then not only use this opportunity to to motivate yourself to help others but do so in a very thoughtful kind of way like the way you're saying that like you talk to someone who had heard that there was this harassment of women and transportation and like for you to actually like not just be like oh you know we're going to help somebody mm. but to really do it in, in a thoughtful and meaningful way um is really cool so how did it go from like hey you know we should really change we should help people to to actually getting that first project started and, and getting it operational yeah i mean we we set up a uk registered charity and a legal entity in sri lanka um i actually uh decided to go back to university as well and i did an ma in wow. international development um so as you say it's all about thoughtful, meaningful work rather than just, um, you know, kind of going in and, and kind of doing more harm than good, which is actually um, quite, 
quite easily done and is done. So, um, so yeah, so we worked with other organizations. We reached out to other organizations. We partnered with other organizations. And um, as a small international charity, um, that's how we were able to recognize what the need was on the ground. Because obviously we're in the UK, you know, we don't know what the need is, but um, the local people obviously do. So you've given us a really good background on why Sri Lanka and the charity and some of the challenges that women face. Can you tell us really about what is the future is pink, your tuk-tuk program? Yeah, sure. Okay. So tuk-tuks are the, one of the most, well, are the most common form of transport in, in Sri Lanka. They are predominantly driven by men. So it's a completely male dominated occupation. I was traveling actually between Dubai and Nepal to our other projects in Nepal, um, sorry, between Sri Lanka and um, Nepal and stopped off in Dubai. And I saw taxis being driven by women with pink roofs, women wearing pink headscarves. And I thought, you know what, if they can do it in Dubai, they can do it in Sri Lanka. And that was kind of my inspiration for Think Pink, but obviously with tuk-tuks as opposed to cars, because they are the most affordable means of transport. What we found was that the tuk-tuk, by um, operating pink tuk-tuks, highly visible tuk-tuks as taxis, um, this gave a robust income for the women. And obviously these taxis are immediately recognizable because they're bright pink. Everybody can see them. Everybody knows what they are. The model that we operate on is slightly different to the regular model where uh, the guys are standing, waiting for customers, you know, outside hotels, you know, on the street, that kind of thing. Our tuk-tuks are all pre-booked. So it's a slightly different model and um, their work is, a lot of their work is local, it's community work, they do a lot of school runs. What we found is, is that other mums have said that actually what it does is, is gives that frees up their time because previously they were chaperoning their daughters in tuk-tuks to school, to after school classes, but now Obviously, they are confident to let their daughters be taken by a female driver. Um, so there is, it ticks so many boxes. You know, it's just a really, really great thing. So just to make sure I understand, these are tuk-tuks driven by women. Yeah. And are they only for women passengers? Yeah, they're only for women and children. Um, obviously, if it's a family, they will take families. So when we say only for women, we mean they're not for single, you know, single men or for groups of men. Mm -hmm. And the reason we say that is because this is from the women themselves, not from us. They wouldn't feel comfortable, um, you know, obviously um, driving a, a group of men or, or a male passenger. Okay, and, and is this all over Sri Lanka or just in one place? So at the moment, it's in the south, near Gaul. We have just recently trained um, 25 women in Colombo. So we are hoping to get some vehicles to Colombo. Um, obviously, the pandemic has um, delayed things somewhat, but um, we're hoping to get vehicles to Colombo um, you know, very soon. So how many drivers do you have now? Um, so in yeah, so in the south, um, we is the pilot project, um, and we have um, fleet of ten tuk tuks, and um, the women drivers um, part share the vehicles. Um, so that means that the vehicles can be on the road, you know, kind of for, for more hours a day. So that, that's what the drivers do down there. We will do we will do the same, you know, in Colombo as well with the with the drivers that have been trained there. 
So how how long has this project been going and what have been the big challenges? Okay, so we started in 2017. The biggest challenge was finding the women drivers um, because obviously this is a completely male-dominated occupation. So the women that drive the tuk-tuks really do have to take themselves out of their comfort zone to be able to manage this because, you know, it is just not the thing to do in Sri Lanka. Um, So there's a lot, you know, women have had opposition from, you know, their families, um, you know, their, um, maybe their their parents, um, you know, whatever. Um, So I would say um, finding the women drivers has been the biggest obstacle. But once we had done that, and then those women, you know, become role models for other women, um, obviously, then, you know, it kind of gets easier. So are you 100% reliant on donations from volunteers overseas? I mean, you're saying that, uh, you know, these women can drive for other women, they can drive for families and for, for fellow drivers' daughters, and that's providing some income. But while there's no tourism, international tourism at least, you're relying on overseas donations and then hoping maybe that tourists can use the service when they finally return to, to Sri Lanka? Is that the concept? The concept is actually that um, they work mainly in their own community and that they are not 100% reliant upon tourism, um, sure. which I think was a good shout considering the um, the mm. Easter bombings what happened? Sure. that yeah. we had oh, the year before last. Um, and then, of course, the, the pandemic. So for Sri Lanka, it's kind of been a double whammy. They were just recovering from the Easter bombings when the pandemic happened. So it's been challenging and it still really is challenging. And obviously, when they went into lockdown, all public transport was stopped. There were curfews in place. And these women are daily workers. And so obviously, their income just disappeared. So schools were closed, there were no school runs to do, there was nothing to do. We have supported them through donations, yes, from people providing emergency food parcels, um, not just those women, not just the driver women, but other women as well, um, throughout lockdown. But now they've started getting back on their feet again, um, they're getting their fares back again. Obviously, there's still there's very few tourists in Sri Lanka, so that they haven't started um, driving tourists again yet. Um, but obviously, will do when that time comes. The way that um, this program works is that the vehicles are donated from donors. So that might be a mm. private individual, it might be a company, it might be a school or an organisation that fundraises for a vehicle. Mm. They can have their logo on the vehicle and then the women actually rent the vehicles from the charity and the reason we do that is so that the charity can make sure that these vehicles are safe they're fully insured you know they're kept roadworthy um, for passengers uh, because the women at this stage wouldn't have the means to be able to pay fully comp insurance and you know pay for all those repairs so we charge a rental which is slightly below the market rate which the women pay out of their earnings. So this, we don't, um, our motto is actually a hand up rather than a handout. So we don't actually give anything, um, but we obviously um, offer these 
tuk-tuks at a, a lesser rate than the, the going rate. And in fact, actually, they would find it difficult to hire tuk-tuks because, um, because they're women and, and the, the tuk-tuk hirers are males and um, probably they say that they probably wouldn't hire them to them anyway. So, so you know, so, um, yeah, so we hire the tuk-tuks to them and, um, you know, that's kind of how it works. So it, it works really well. Um, during the pandemic, obviously, we, were a, we didn't take any rent off them because their tuk-tuks weren't on the road. So we were, we were able to help them during that time. Hmm. Uh, quick one, how many tuk-tuks do you have? So we have a fleet of 10 in the south. Okay. And um, mm. we're hoping to get um, more for these drivers in Sri Lanka, in, sorry, Colombo that we've just recently trained. So you touched on something really interesting. And I'm wondering, what do non-female Sri Lankans think of the program and women driving tuk-tuks? Well, actually, you know, the male drivers, um, Trevor, we've, we've actually had no problems with at all. And um, the women tell us that actually if, um, you know, they break down or whatever, they're always, um, you know, kind of happy to help them and, um, you know, would stop and help them. And I think that's because our model is different because, you know, they're not standing kind of vying for the same customers. They actually only see them you know, driving around. So we haven't had any issues with other drivers. In terms of um, the biggest challenge from males is is males within the family who feel that this is not an appropriate occupation for um, a female family member. I think that's the biggest challenge. Well, perhaps if they understood this concept of uh, the orphans orphanage system and, and women not being able to care for their single children, you know, without some assistance. Uh, so I would direct our listeners to go to our website, TalkTravelAsia.com. And in the show notes for this episode, we will have links to the Rosie May Foundation and uh, the Think Pink Tuk Tuks. Why don't you tell us how our listeners could, could get involved and what they can do to help support these programs either until tourism opens up again and perhaps afterwards we have a, a website um, which is rosymay.com um, which um, has all the details of the project there and you can um, contact um, us and that will come straight through to me actually um, if you would like to support us with the program um, at the moment, we are asking for donations, obviously, to help support the women get through this challenging time. If you decided that you are going to visit Sri Lanka, then obviously, again, you can get in touch with us. And depending where you are in Sri Lanka, then we can arrange for um, the, the women to um, collect you, you can visit our project. Um, we have um, another program where we um, teach tourists to cook um, local rice and curry. You can be picked up in a pink tuk-tuk, booked to the project, you can meet the women. So that's a, a really great thing to do. And um, you can see actually for yourselves how everything works. Either if you're going to Sri Lanka or not going to Sri Lanka, then, um, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to do. Final question here. Are you and your husband and your family spending your full time, like a full time job, keeping 
this organization going or what what kind of commitment is it? Charity um, has grown from kitchen table to um, an international UK registered charity now. So um, so I um, am the CEO. So I um, I run the charity full time and we have a, a team, a small team of people that, that help and support. And we have a very large team of uh, volunteers that also um, support the charity. We have um, professionals that do pro bono stuff for us. Um, so yeah, it's um, definitely a full-time job, if not more. <laughs> I'm sure Rosie May is smiling down on you. It's incredible work you do. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah thank I'm... you so much for joining us, Mary, and sharing your incredible story and work. Just the fact that you ended up going back to university and, and learning some new skills and, and applying them to, to help people seemingly at a great time. Like, the, the you know, when you set this up in the wake of the tsunami, like uh, Sri Lanka, Scott has been there and the country has opened up quite a lot. But, uh, you know, now going through some challenges mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we encourage our listeners to check out our show notes for links to the Rosie May Foundation to learn more about what they do and, and how our listeners can get involved. So, so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Oh, no, thanks, guys. It's a pleasure and uh, really, really great to meet you and great work that you're doing also. That was really interesting. And she touched on something that's really obvious to me now, but I didn't think about it before we chatted with Mary, is that just the whole stigma of women driving a tuk-tuk, right? That that's a thing, that that's a hurdle. When I thought of all the many hurdles, things to overcome to do this, I never actually just thought of the stigma of women driving tuk-tuks and how they're viewed by their countrymen and women. Yeah. You know, I haven't been to Sri Lanka, so I don't really understand the cultural dynamics, but, you know, as grab and, and, and these other like uh, ride sharing things have, have moved into markets that are controlled by, you know, male dominated taxi drivers. It's a threat to their economic things. And so I could, I could see that as a, a problem, but I kind of like the idea that they're doing these pink tuk-tuks and they're pink. It's very signature. And I assume that from my experience in, in other responsible tourism and providers successes that people will start to learn to recognize this pink tuk-tuk as this program that's actually helping these these women that that need help and hopefully will become recognized as as good things for their communities and uh and and will have future successes as she grows to different cities around sri lanka yeah, it's it's really neat. And often when we look at these kind of projects, they might at surface level seem simple, but you need a certain amount of capital to get these things going, right? She Mary said that, you know, they buy the tuk-tuks and then they just kind of rent them out to the drivers. It's just is getting a few thousand dollars together to get something going and know how to kind of like operate it and run a business model, that can be a big hurdle. So I just really like that they, they provide that infrastructure and while they're providing work for females, they're also at the same time kind of changing perceptions of roles and, and, and what one sex should do and what another sex should do. So I think it actually has multiple benefits on a few different levels. It's real interesting. Yeah, I think uh, we just barely kind of scratched the surface on on a topic that is quite interesting. Um, but we're hoping that, uh, you know, some of our listeners can help uh, marry out and donate to the Rosie May Foundation. Um, otherwise, you know, we always welcome support. You can go to our website, talktravelasia.com and click on the support our show Patreon sponsorship link. And uh, for only a dollar a month, 
or upwards, you can uh, help keep our show on the air. You know, Scott and I do this out of the love of our hearts, and we hope that by sharing people like Mary's stories that uh, we're providing helpful content to these communities and to the people who come to travel here in Asia, hopefully soon, because we really do miss you, and, and we hope you start planning your travels here soon. Uh, not only is there the pink tuk-tuk project, but Mary has all kinds of different programs going. So go to TalkTravelAsia.com, scroll down to the bottom. There'll be links to those projects that you can support. We really appreciate you making time and looking forward to this episode. We'll be back in two weeks with a new one for you. Until then, keep dreaming of travel, stay healthy and safe. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Camp